You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, for our next topic, Mike, let's talk about the importance of preserving cricket history um, of the game of cricket. And you care deeply about the history, Mike, so do I, and many people who um, watch the game care about its history as well. Um, and other people around the world do as well. So um, throughout our chat today, Mike, we've made references to the game's history uh, as reference points because without that history, we wouldn't be ha able to uh, speak about certain things within cricket. And you tend to do that in cricket where you tend to reference historical moments and uh, periods of time. Uh, but it's important that new cricket fans, Mike, entering the sport, they can learn so much from just reading a book, researching uh, the game's history and teaching the younger generation about the history and hopefully it will make them appreciate the game more because when you learn about the history, you see how the game's evolved and came to be, you learn to appreciate it more. And uh, Test cricket is a prime example of that, Mike. It's a living, breathing example of the game's history. As we discussed, it faces an uncertain future, but we have to do everything we can to try and preserve that. And, and many people within uh, cricket media, podcasting and social media sphere are covering the history of the game, uh, like Gideon Haig, yourself, David uh, Frith, uh, just to name a few. Uh, there's Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon from the Final Word podcast, two journalists, cricket journalists from Australia do, do a thing on their podcast called Storytime, uh, looking back at the game's history. And also Jared Kimber, a well-known cricket uh, journalist from Australia also covers the, the history of the game as well. And you can probably include me on that list as well, Mike, because we've done historical series episodes on the podcast trying to educate people on the game's history. Um, and just to name a few episodes we've done, we've done Australia's early tours to the subcontinent in 1956-59, and we've done some on the Adelaide Oval and on Lord's Cricket Ground, where I spoke to Neil Robinson, Head of Heritage and Collections at Lord's and MCC on that. So those are just some of the episodes we've done on the history of the game um, on the podcast. But, but Cricket Mike, I think you would agree that it does a good job at preserving its history, and we have many good cricket museums in the world doing that, Adelaide Oval, Lord's, MCG with the sports museum there, uh, the SCG um, as well with its museum, and, and also the Bradman Museum, in barrel. So, so Mike, how important is it for cricket to preserve its history? And should people within the sports media profession learn more about their sports history to get that extra knowledge? Well, in, a, in an ideal world, um, those who care about the game uh, would have a more than a rudimentary knowledge of the of the history. Um, there's so many markers and so many milestones, so much to celebrate. Um, yes, I, I think, but, you know, you can't force feed history, Jack. You can't force feed it. You have to care enough about the game. I mean, you could teach, can you teach T20 history already? I don't know. Perhaps you can. Um, the, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's becoming a very, very complex issue because generally the emphasis on the short form means 
that the the longer forms. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Sheffield Shield cricket or county cricket mm. or the um, uh, you know uh, the domestic cricket in uh, in New Zealand or in in uh, in India, and all of those are struggling desperately. Um, so it's it's a very different world where we're confronting, and I think the the games administrators have to have to demonstrate um, that they do care still for the traditional form. I mean, we we can't have uh, we can't have successful Test cricket uh, without having very good productive Shield cricket or County cricket um, for the the players to learn. Um, you know, and we've to, to to play in the traditional game. You have to have a traditional and conventional upbringing in the game. Um, but um, you, you know, if we're going to separate it and have clearly defined um, uh, test match teams, fifty over teams, and T Twenty teams, well, that's what that's another aspect that concerns me. When you talk about the Australian captain. I mean, it used to be the Australian captain. And now is it the Australian test match captain? Is it the Australian 50-over mm. captain? Is it the Australian T20 captain? So uh, the nomenclature has, has changed. Everything has changed about the game. And so we get back to that old story about the need for very strong leadership, very strong leadership at the international level that can see um, and, and confront the issues that are, that, that, that are emerging in every country. Uh, and there are issues, as you pointed out. There are issues in every country that need to be addressed. Um, just because more money than ever before is circulating doesn't mean the game's in a healthy state. Um, the game is prospering at certain levels but failing at others. And how much do we care about the areas that's failing? That's the issue that the game needs to address and address quickly. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, you, you've written many books on, on the game's history, Mike, uh, over your time in your career. Um, what have been some of the, the things that you've um, researched, that you've discovered, and that you've never um, learned before um, in, in your time researching for books and reading up about the history of the game? Oh, I think once you've got a got a subject in mind, and uh, we all there's limits to what you you do know. I mean, you can read a, a lot as you're growing up. You can read a lot. Um, that's the joy when you make a decision, as I did in after '86 and '87. I know I was so incensed by what was going on. <coughs> I said, right, well, let's let's explore. Um, and a lot of that that emerged in, in the cricket beyond the bazaar was just from, from research. But the more, the more dramatic research was done on the Tarrant story because nobody knew about Tarrant and still doesn't know about Tarrant. And that's why I'm still having so much of a trouble to convince anyone about the merit of a Tarrant medal um, because he played all his cricket fundamentally in, for Middlesex in England um, played in fits and starts for Victoria, but very little got the first double hundred for Victoria. But um, he played very little in Australia. But when you look at his achievements as a player, let alone his um, that 
He coached um, the first team to go, Indian team to go to England, and and that was the reason for thirty-five six in Australia was to prepare the England uh, Indian team for England in thirty-six. Um, he umpired the first two test matches in uh, that India played at home. I mean, it's an astonishing achievement, but nobody knows much about it. So that mm. was why it. I found it, you know, it was essential um, to um, to to address it and to. I called him the forgotten pioneer, which he is. And uh, and there's a lot there. You know, there are other Australians who have contributed to um, to cricket in uh, in India as well. Uh, Leo O'Brien was involved in the at Patiala in the National Institute of Sport in India. I mean, there's the, and that's all the sorts of stuff that emerges, uh, Jack. But you've got to have a starting point as you did when you were doing your research. You had a starting point. And once you've got a starting point, and if you care enough, once you get in, you know, I mean, um, when I was writing Cricket Beyond the Bazaar, that was when I first f became fascinated by Tarrant, and that was 33 years ago. And so it took the gestation period for the Tarrant book was 30 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, admittedly, I did a bit, fair bit of other work and other books in the meantime, but um, that's where the fascination began. And that's, and that's the joy of the game. Once you get into something, it'll take you to places that you never dreamt of. Absolutely. And you just get absorbed in, in that um, euphoria, I think. You just can't stop. Yeah, it's true. Uh, that, that's what I tend to, to do. I just get lost when you're reading stuff. And it's just wonderful. Um, you get a real buzz from it. And you learn more about the game because, you know, cricket's that type of sport, Mike, where you just learn something new every day. You may know everything, but you don't know everything entirely. No, so when you know something historically or something like that, it's wow! I didn't know that. It's yeah, like no. cricket. It's like because um, uh, we we've interviewed a few Americans on the podcast, Mike, and you would know that cricket in America has a strong connection over the years. Um, you know, many people didn't know that Don Bradman actually toured America yeah. and the US uh, and yeah. Canada just before Bodyline in thirty two. 33 went there with the, his big, wife. the biggest the biggest worry jack is that it's going to have a bigger influence in the future steve smith wants to complete his career as a captain of a franchise in new york so yes it might happen yes but that's, um, it's all too much for me to contemplate on a on, on a leisurely winter's day in sydney i can tell you <laughs> yes um but yeah it's it's just a wonderful thing the history of the game and uh you know I, you know, I think you would encourage Mike people just to, you know, just read and just research the history. You may learn something new, yeah, um, but which is the important thing about learning the, the game's great um, history. Hi, everyone. Hope you enjoyed hearing Mike and I discuss the importance of preserving cricket history.